think it's just an exciting place to be around because I think we understand what our niche is and how we can help prepare students for life after the university. That was Western New England head coach John Klopacki. He's the guest on this week's episode of Chasing the Goal. Welcome to New England Lacrosse Journal's Chase the Goal podcast, your destination for all things lacrosse. I'm your host, Kyle Devitt. Alongside me, Mr. Jack Piatelli. Jack, how are we doing? Doing well. Getting a little chilly out there. Unfortunately, not too many short days left, Kyle. I know you look great in shorts. Yeah, I, it's just because I am short. I thought, I thought that's where you were going with that, and you really threw me. I'm not going to lie. But hey, Jack and I kind of like to do this thing where we bring in guests where it's like one for you, one for me. This is one of Jack's guys, Western New England head coach. John Klopacki. Coach, how are we doing? Great. How are you guys? Doing it. <laughs> we're, we're in studio, getting ready to talk about uh, one of the Commonwealth Coast Giants in the Bears. You guys had one of the better upsets of the NCAA tournament field, beating Lynchburg. I don't think a lot of people predicted that. I watched the entire game. It was wild. You had short stick demonies. You had the right guys in the right spots, two-way guys just blocking all their transition. And it looked like they didn't have much of an answer for you. Yeah, I think it was a culmination of... Uh, uh, a group that six guys that came back last year and also a very a very strong senior class especially on the defensive side and they were they were pretty united on having a great year and I think we learned a lot from our out-of-conference play and as the season went on and I think the team had just great chemistry and they uh, they played well together and they played united and they kept the game simple. John you talk about chemistry the team had great chemistry how does that chemistry develop? Does it come from the, the captains, the senior class? How is that developed, and, and why did you think that this team had maybe better chemistry than, than teams in the past? I, I just think it's a scenario of shared accountability that all the kids on the team, obviously there was some great role models from upperclassmen that were leading by example, but I, I think there was also a situation every every student athlete on the team felt like, hey, look, I, I'm a part of this and, and I can make a difference and I can make things significant. So I think that's what happens when you have good chemistry is that everyone's invested in the same way and everybody's going the same direction and, and they have trust in themselves. They have trust in their teammates and, and they trust what our coaches are trying to tell them it could be the best options for us. Coach, you're one of the mainstays of Western Massachusetts lacrosse. You yourself are going into your 22nd season. I believe, going into yeah. 22. Yeah. So how do you feel about the legacy you've already crafted and what are you looking forward to? I think it's a special time because there's been a time at Western New England that now the alumni connections that have been guys that I think when I first took over, guys like Peter Black and Joel Castleman and Scott Aikens were very welcoming and and wanted to, to help build upon their support to the school. And I think now that it's 20 plus, it's a situation that there's a lot of guys that played for me and it's, it's a, it's a big family atmosphere and it's a group that, that, that's really united around the kids that are in the program and, and wanting to have those guys be successful and want to strive more for themselves and, and try to do a little bit better every year. And you, you've got a great coaching tree established with other top coaches like Stephen Toomey, Bill Mason, guys that, guys that played for you, coach with you. How I, I like to ask not older coaches, but more experienced coaches, I think, that have had a long time in one place. You build a tree, right? And yeah. you have a really large tree. How do you curate that? Like, how does that come back? Not to help you, but how does it come back to 
to bring forth like your vision of how to play lacrosse and, and what you you believe in? You know, I I think when guys want to get into the profession, it's it's very rewarding. It shows that their experience as a student athlete was something that they want to give back to to other other people and they want to do it. Obviously, they need to do it somewhere else if they want to make a profession out of it. And I think it's great that that guys want to stay involved in the game and they want to be a part of the game. And there's numerous guys like Jed Brown is at UNE. Yep. Nick Coppola was at uh, Johnson and Wales. Mark Berge spent a, ten, a long tenure with Ohio State. Plus, outside of that, there's the high school guys that are involved and, and guys that are involved at the club level and stuff. So it's great that our guys feel like their experience on campus is something of how important the game is to them, right? And and the game teaches things about yourself and helps you grow as a person. And, and to have guys want to give back or, or share that experience with other people, I think that's the I think that's the special part of it. Coach, you've had some great players come through the program. One of your probably greatest players ever come out of the program, Mitch Weiss, defensive player. I don't know if he was a three- or a four-time All-American. How do you replace a guy like that? I don't think you look to replace a guy. A guy like Mitch was was so special. He, he was just a hard worker and, and could cover and, and off-ball and on-ball and was great with the ball. Outside of just his outstanding leadership, I, I, I think that'd be a disservice to try to look at someone currently on the roster and say, you've got to play like Mitch. That's that's just asking a, a little bit too much, and it might be outside of their their bandwidth. So we'll, we'll we'll all have to pitch in and 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 do things differently so that we don't miss Mitch. But uh, yeah, he was a he was a special guy, and he did everything in the first class manner, and and he was so selfish. He's a guy that was Defensive Player of the Year two out of his uh, two out of his five years. So it was a he was a special guy. You're in a unique situation where not only are you the head coach of the men's program. But your wife Amy is the head coach of the women's program. You don't see that too often in the in the college ranks. How do you manage that? That's pretty pretty cool that uh, you both got got into coaching and you're both at the same school and and you must be able to run a lot of things by each other. Yeah, it's it, it's great. My my wife is is awesome with how she's she's able to understand some of the things that we go through as coaches. Obviously, because she's doing it also. I don't think there's a lot of chalk talk going on in the Klopaki household, but <laughs> I, I I think we're sounding boards towards each other when there are things that are uh, things that you could kind of help each other with and uh, I give her a tremendous amount of credit of uh, how she keeps the household going and everything's uh, stable in the right way of uh, making sure all the kids are in the right spots and everybody's going in the right area and she just does a great job of, of being able to make sure everybody's getting a great experience. How different is Western New England now than it was 20 years ago a lot i i think that that's one of the the best parts of why i've had the longevity is i I, i've seen a a college go to university i've seen the growth on campus what we've done on the academic front with different programs and accreditations and the excitement level of that and even from anthony caprio who was an advocate to to get us to university status and now dr johnson taking us to a to a whole new level i i think it's just an exciting place to be around because I think we understand what our niche is and, and, and how we can help prepare students for, for life after, after university. I think one of the things that maybe a lot of people don't realize is back in the day, recruiting was very different. And you did a thing when you were recruiting that maybe I think a lot of people didn't do was you sent out full-on VHS tapes to promote the school and the program. And the reason I know that is because you recruited me. And I know you don't remember it. Uh-huh. And that's okay. I know you don't remember it. 
Definitely don't. Nope. And I'm not sure what VHS it was. <laughs> yep. You I got went. you got lucky that he didn't show up. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Thank, hey, thank goodness. Oh, thank goodness. Oh God. Hey, now, I'm not surprised that you don't remember. Yeah, either. no. I would have I would have been a demity on that team at best. As my as my coach at Clark used to love to say to me, "You'd be a demity in any of these Water, other teams." And I'm like, "Waterboy." No, I would play because just because I'm mean, and I because I know that I, you love mean dudes. I would and love to see that uh, VHS. I don't know. I bet I have it somewhere. That could I be, that could be a little Thanksgiving task. You it's, know? Yeah. it's pretty Head incredible. Home, right? Yes. I, I'd, I'd like to see that. Yeah, I would too. It was yes. pretty great. It was yeah. It was like I've never heard of the school before. Where is this school? It made me really interested in it. Obviously, things are different now. With Everyone has the internet and can just go look up stuff. And I remember when I – the reason I bring it up is my first job at a school was at Plymouth State. And okay. we started sending out – this will be the the technology jump. We sent out like DVDs, okay, to to kids that we wanted to see, and they sent us their tapes. Tapes used to come on DVDs instead of YouTube, guys. I know maybe you didn't know that, right? Uh, but technology is very different twenty years later. But I always found that fascinating that you were on the on the edge of that, and you went to that effort, and it like I was like, oh wow, he sent me a thing. That's really cool. He must really want, and I knew you didn't remember, <laughs> which is why it's the funniest thing. I want, why I wanted to save it for the podcast. But I think one of the the great things about about Western New England that I've experienced too is like you talk about the history of the alumni and bringing in things like that. People let you know they went to. I used to call it Winnick forever. Yeah, I, I, it's very hard for me to call it Winu. I don't know if the changeover is ever going to happen, but they let you know they're not they they are proud of their time there. You win tons of games. Your your career winning percentage, I think, is seventy point five percent. I mean, you're, you're you know what you're doing. You're building a winning team, and I think it's it's worth bringing you on the podcast for sure to talk about that. But also, like your approach to things, I think is was a little different before other people realized it. And I wanted to kind of like highlight that with that little bit of information. Yeah, I, I think it was just a scenario of um, starting a program, and and uh, before I got there, Tim O'Mara was was coaching there, and and, and he was trying to build it, and there, they, there was a little bit of being at a crossroads, and Mike Thulin provided an opportunity for me to to give it a shot. I think the group of guys that was there for my first team did an unbelievable job of of buying in and wanting things differently. And we didn't feel like we had to, I made a decision of we weren't going to like start over through recruiting. We were going to start with the guys that were currently here and create an opportunity. And, and they took advantage of that opportunity. And it was just a point of trying to figure out how could we, how could we message? Cause we do have a lot of folks that once they kind of go through the college selection and they're starting to look and they notice certain things that the school can provide a lot of things academically and athletically for them that maybe they wouldn't have realized. Coach, what does your schedule look like going forward for this spring? And uh, talk to us a little about the freshmen you brought in. Yeah, so uh, this spring we've we've kept the majority of our schedule. It stayed the same. I let the cat out of the bag. And un- unfortunately, we're starting our season a little bit later, Kyle. So we're we're scrimmaging Clark. It's not a regular season game oh, this year. Heartbreak. Yeah, I know. I know that's going to get you one less loss for them. So we wow. uh, we are. We decided to start a little bit later because we had a little bit of a gap last year in March 
that uh, we played some games and there was too much of a, of a down period. So we've been able to have a lot of New Mac schools and, and some NESCAC schools that are uh, that are on our schedule. And then we're playing St. Lawrence and Nazareth. We've met down in Florida. So we, I still believe in a spring trip. I think it's part of the, the bonding experience and, and, and getting out of New England a little bit. We've done Colorado and we've done Texas and stuff. And it seems like going back to Florida has kind of been a been a thing for us that we, we enjoy going down there. I, I, want, I want to talk a little bit more about that because when I first started coaching, it, that was my nightmare, right? It's like containing that many kids. You have like 50 kids on your roster. How do you manage all those kids on the road in a totally different state? Are you taking buses? Are you flying? Like, how are you doing that? Because I've done it and it's like probably one of the hardest things I've done is have to like go around, put tape on the kids' doors, make sure they don't go out, like all that stuff. It's it's hard, but I'm sure like you have a lot of disciplined guys on your team. I I think the guys view the trip as an opportunity, and I think the way the schedule is, spring trips have changed so much. It used to be a point of being more practice-based because of not having a turf and and, and being able to go out and, and get some full field work and maybe getting a scrimmage in and stuff, but the way the schedules are so early this year now... Um, you're basically going down there and preparing for games, and it just seems like guys have too much on their plate that they, they, they get their beach time, but there's not much of that. But it does create a little bit of a hey, different environment, and we're around each other. And, and I also think for the guys, like that week is, is a really great week because all of our players that are engineers and, and health science guys and, and the business guys and stuff, like – Class-wise, you, there's a lot of work. There's a lot of work to be a college athlete. So you're you're running from lab to practice, and to have a week where you can just be around your teammates and and kind of hang out a little bit. It's it's pretty interesting. It's it's fun watching the the quiet freshmen that all of a sudden won't stop chatting on the bus. And I think we find a way to make it work so that it's a it's a it's a positive experience for them. And frankly, if if we're not doing the things down there in the future, there won't be a trip, right? Yeah. So. You've got a, a lot of engineering guys like you were talking about on your roster, and that's kind of been one of your selling points. How do you manage that workload with them? Like, how does that do you work in tandem with your engineering guys? Because I think people don't realize, like, you're, you're, if you're an engineer, man, you're doing labs. You're, you got hard classes. You have homework every night. It's a, it's a daunting major. Yeah, I think it's just having the right priorities, and I think it's also managing things. Like, one of the things about engineers is they – it's a major they want because of the profession they're looking towards. So they're pretty motivated kids, right? So sometimes it's kind of like having them just kind of relax a little bit and look at it. And, and you might have a point where early on in a, in a guy's playing experience that he can't achieve what he normally achieves because of the workload. And you got to give them space to let them develop as a student first before you're thinking about what they could be as an athlete. And then they can kind of figure some of that stuff out. Like we had a freshman, Zach Mean, last year who stuck a great goal in the NCAAs. And it was because it was, uh, it was, it was pro, pay, pro player status because he was already done with exams. He could kind of just relax again. And, and he didn't, he played a little bit in the lineup throughout the year, but he took advantage of, it was a longer season and he was done with his exams and he could kind of breathe a little. So it's managing those expectations. Yeah, so again, um, 50-man roster, you go between 50 and 55 between year to year. I know just from looking at your rosters, 
what do you bring in numbers wise for freshmen every year? And uh, again, talk a little bit about the guys you brought in this year and how they look for the fall. Yeah, I thought we brought a really, really strong freshman class. Like I said, we did have a, a, a large class graduate. So I, I think we brought in some some guys that were filling in some some roles on the defensive side. We did bring in some some nice midfielders that have that have helped us out in our fall from the way the fall ball has been going. Some of our young guys are really stepping up. Yes, I, I think it's a, I think it's a good crew. We, we like our roster size to be somewhere between the forty fives and fifties. And I think past couple of years we've been a little bit bigger. Um, and I think that's partially been because of the fifth year status and also COVID, right? And and having a little bit of an extended roster because of contact tracing and stuff. And I think our, our incoming class is going to be a little bit smaller because we're trying to regulate to get back towards more of a more traditional roster for ourselves. Yeah, and the portal has certainly been affecting your roster in terms of size and then players getting their fifth year and a sixth year. How many, how many sixth year players do you have participating in your program this year? Yeah. So we have, we have two fifth years this year. We actually had, uh, we didn't, we didn't really go crazy with the portal. It, it was more so if you're, if you're internal and you want to get an MBA or you want to stay in the engineering program and you want to finish your master's and you could take some grad classes as a senior, so you could shrink down your, your, graduate that's where a lot of our guys are going that route i haven't spent a lot of time crushing out at the portal out of it just because we've been looking at the guys that have been in the program and and kind of creating that kind of opportunity for the guys that are here i gotta give john a lot of credit i go to a lot of tournaments over the years and a number of prospect days and john's on the road more than probably everybody john pretty much is at almost every event every weekend in the fall and the summertime out recruiting and John and I have talked a number of times about recruiting John was one of my coaches very fortunate to have John last eight nine ten years part of the program talk a little bit about the the recruiting process and what you look for in a player and what you would say and what do you tell parents when they come on campus and 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 the whole process and how much the player needs to be involved and how much the you expect from the parents and just give us a little outline of, of your expectations. Yeah. Being a father, I've gone through it with, with my daughter who is a freshman and, and my son who's a, who's a 23. So I, I've seen it on a little bit different lens also. And I think it's important when guys are going to an events and it doesn't matter the weather, like the weather wasn't the greatest at the colonial clash yesterday, but there was kids that were having fun. And there was kids that were being competitive and they were being competitive with their teammates, not for themselves. And I, I think that's a that's a really big thing of, of going out and enjoying playing the game and almost pretending that there aren't coaches watching. And I, I think that's a big thing. And I think I think it's a it, it is a crazy way of trying to figure out, hey, where do I want to go to school? What do I want to do? But the more student athletes that are invested in their path. And what I mean by that is looking at, okay, what are some realistic academic places for me? What are, what are the right fits for me size-wise? All like having a lot of those questions answered to themselves so they're designing things. And I, I think club lacrosse creates opportunities for young men to, to go play, and they play early, right? And they, and they play when they're in ninth grade and they're going to all these college campuses and these events. Like, that's a good time for parents to start showing them around a little bit about maybe a college down the road from the place they're at so they could see what it looks like because it, it shouldn't just be the coach's emails or contacts that are going to that are gonna 
that they're going to be a part of your recruiting process. You should have some thoughts. And then you should also look towards it and realize that at some point you might be a great player and you're an unbelievable young man, but you know, maybe the coach just doesn't have a need at your position. And that's going to be, that's frustrating. And that's really hard on parents. It's hard on the kids, but you should have a, you should have a backup and you should have other, other, other schools that you would have a, a good experience at and be proud of being able to go play there. We're going to take a quick break. But there's more Chasing the Goal podcast on the way. This winter, Piatelli Lacrosse has a great way for you to stay in shape and play lacrosse. Kyle, yes. Starting in January, we have box lacrosse leagues for youth and high school. Players of all ages at two convenient locations in Agawam and Taunton, Massachusetts. The up-tempo pace of box lacrosse is an excellent way for players to learn to play faster and develop new skills that will make you more effective on the field in the spring. And coaches will be provided for each game, and all players will take part in mini clinic prior to the game, where we will work on different box lacrosse skills. Make the most of your offseason, play some box lacrosse. This program is open to all interested players. For more information on our Winter Box League, visit www.piatellilacrosse.com. Dedication, skills, focus, and the drive to play at the highest level. Massachusetts is committed to providing the coaching and curriculum that will allow boys and girls to learn and grow as individuals and as teammates. With an emphasis on skill development and academic excellence, their players have led the country in college recruiting for the past 10 years. With over 800-plus players moving on to play in college and over 130-plus high school All-Americans, Massachusetts has been able to set the nationwide standard unmatched in the sport of lacrosse. To learn more, log on to Massachusetts.com. That's laxachusetts.com. Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. Looking to keep up with all the latest news and information on New England lacrosse? New England Lacrosse Journal and LaxJournal.com are the premier resources for information and inspiration on the New England lacrosse scene. Have every issue of New England Lacrosse Journal or magazine delivered to your home or office. And don't forget to stay in the game every day with a digital subscription to LaxJournal.com to receive daily digital lacrosse coverage on Club Lacrosse, College Commits, Prep and high school, Division One, Two, and Three colleges, showcases, rankings, and much more. Get in the game and behind the scenes now by logging on to laxjournal.com. Just click on the subscribe button and start the subscription that is right for you today. New England Lacrosse Journal is a Siemens Media publication. Siemens Media, inspiring, informative, insightful. We talked just briefly about the merit program at Western New England. Expand on that. Well, I think every school has a, has a way that we're trying to make sure that students are, are applying to their universities, right? And that has nothing to do with their athletic 
aspect, right? It's that's you're being rewarded off of your academic success and, and your involvement in things. And I think there's a lot of different schools. And I think as, as times change, colleges and universities, kind of what their, what their packages are. And, and I think it's a, right now, I think for a student, it's a, it's, if they do have a lot of options on the merit ride. And I, I think that's also why it's really important as a, as a high school player to realize, yes, I, I want to develop my game, but if I, I should be a total package because the better I am academically, the more options I have. And how many guys have you recruited that have not been able to get into Western New England due to the fact that they have not put the time in on the academic side? Yeah, I, I, I think there's guys every year that they, they want a certain major and, and maybe there there might be criteria and in certain classes that is is not acceptable for the admissions office. And, and I think this is a it's a difficult thing. Of, as coaches, you have to realize that as much as you think on the field they could help, maybe you're putting a kid at a, at a bad situation academically where they're not going to be successful for you long term because they're probably not going to be able to handle the academic rigors. Yeah, I think what people maybe don't understand is that there are no – people think that there are easy majors, right? Like, oh, sociology. Oh, English. Oh, communications is easy. Like the transition from being an, a, a student in high school to being a student in college is totally different. And I, I feel like the way that you manage that, especially when, again, not to just keep going back to engineering, it's a totally different process. Like you're, you're learning how to take notes better. You're learning formulas. You're learning all these other things. And nothing is given when you go the first day you set foot on campus. Like you're not starting. You're not, you don't have the grades to play yet. Like you have to kind of earn everything. And I think that's kind of emblematic of, of the attitude that, that you put out and Western New England puts out is like, this, this is a hustle game. Like it's not, you, you don't walk on. Like <laughs> that's not how that works. Yeah. And I think students that have had to put effort in in high school and really earn their grades that those are the students that end up being very successful at the college level because they're, they're used to, at, at some point we're all going to get caught, right? We're all going to have to put some time into things. And maybe a guy's very talented academically and he's never been, he's never, he's never had any issues with classes and then he gets to college and now classes are a lot harder. So now they have to learn how to put time into their academics and that's something they got to make decisions with and choices with same way you do have to, you have to do that athletically. You have to put time into your stick work. You have to put time in your body. So that's, that, those are the choices guys have to make. John, I have, to, I hate to tell Kyle this, but you're a Springfield college grad. I happen to be a Springfield college grad. Yes. <laughs> got me first. Yep. I had a good one yep. too. Pot of Keith, Bugby's mafia. Yes. <sighs> yep. Of course. Yep. Coach is the man. You won a national championship in 94. Yep. With Coach Terrio, who we had on a couple of weeks ago. And that team was pretty special, obviously winning a national championship. What was so special about that that group that, that got you to not only play in the championship two years in a row, but win a national championship? I, I think it was after my freshman year, we just won the ECACs. And, and Jason Miller, Coach Miller, was a, was a senior at that time. And we were the young guys, and we were excited about what we did and thought it was pretty neat. And um, he kind of gave us a little perspective of, hey, how close we were to being in a, being able to compete for a Division II title. And he kind of opened our eyes on that. And uh, I, I think it's something that us as a, a group decided that, like, hey, that'd be pretty cool to go do. 
And uh, I think that's the great thing about Coach, that he kind of put us in, in a set where there was never any pressure on that, but it was a situation of like, hey, how, do you want to challenge yourself? And I think our assistant coaches at the time, Jim Nagel, Randy Frazier, Cor Kim, like it, everything kind of lined up. And it, it, was a, it was a team that had great chemistry. Why have you stayed at Western Ireland for 20 years? Kind of what I said before. I think it's a school that is, has constantly been evolving. And I, I, I think the change from the Pilgrim League to the Commonwealth Coast, I, I, I just think it's a, it's a great environment. We're able to play our schedule. It, it, it's, a great, it's a great place to, to be a Division three college athlete. And I, I think it gives us the guys that I coach are, are guys that I think we fit well together. And the school provides the right things for them. And it's just, it's been a great fit. Do you have aspirations to winning in Division Three national title? I, every coach should say that, right? Yeah. And, and I think more you think about your end game, the less you focus about the process. So for myself, it's about making sure that the process is going the right way. And then being at a point to be able to look at it and say, does it, does does the team have a a desire to want to keep playing right and i think we've had we've had some teams that have wanted to go as far as they could go and, and of course we love and who doesn't want to win a national championship right not everyone can and i, I think having you on after we've had on another springfield grad just free springfield all, all day keen state very very similar i would say similar situation to to yours right is he's, he's built that program you've built your program you're similar in terms of not necessarily like play style or coach style, but in the time that you've put in, the program has progressed to a point where they are winning conference championships, right? And that's like kind of step one, right? For a lot of coaches, like I have to win this. We, we bring new coaches on all the time. The first thing they say is, oh, I got to win the conference title. It's like, of course you have to say that. But if you win it ev- almost every year, like you and Coach Terry have been doing, What's the next step? And the next step is national championship. Or, like, I feel like there's no coach out there that's like, I want to get to the semifinals. Right? No, but I, but I think you can't devalue how hard it is to win a conference championship. And I think in our Commonwealth Coast, in general, has become so competitive to, to be able to. And, and, and I think that's a situation why our guys in the NCAA tournament had a great tournament game. Right? Yeah. Because I think our conference tournament the level that you have to play at and to earn a bid, you know, it, it's a big thing and it's, it's not easy. And I, I think there's stages we, we haven't won our conference and then there's been years we've won it and we've lost in the first round. There's been years when we've been able to go to the third round. There's been able to get to the elite eight. And, and each time you go up those, those, that, those steps, like those steps are big and it's, it's getting to those and, um, and, and working towards that. And I, I think that's what makes things like what Coach Berkman does so interesting of how he's been able to sustain at that level. Right. Why did you decide to go into the pro ranks with the Cannons? Honestly, it was a situation. It was a teammate. And him and I were talking when he decided that he wanted to, he wanted to become a head coach. And it was an experience that I thought would be great for the fact that Coach Cork and I spent so many years coaching against each other in conference and being able to keep our relationship as, as strong as it was. It just felt like it would be a great thing for us to be able to kind of work together and, 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 and coach at the pro level. And, and selfishly for myself, I also felt like it's an opportunity to have some professional development 
and uh, continue to see how the pro game might affect the college game and just be able to learn from some of the some of the best players in the world how they go about their business. What is the best part about doing that and the worst part about doing that? I, I think the best part is the game days are just electric and the decision making and, 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 and the level of play and the level of accountability that those guys have. The hardest part, obviously, is it's it's a little bit of a grind in the summer where you're going from a you're you're finding your pockets to be able to recruit and then hop on a hop on a in a car or get on a plane to go to a game and and have a have that going. It's a I give I thank my family a lot for allowing me to do this because they've they they've sacrificed summers. Yeah, I think a lot of people listen to this podcast maybe know or don't know that I used to be like the pro guy and I covered it almost exclusively for, for inside the cross before coming here to NELJ. And I think one of the things that always struck me is like, there would always be like the assistant like grouping had so much impact on the game that people didn't realize at the, at the pro level because you were doing a lot of management, right? A lot of man management, a lot of, a lot of, Hey, okay, here's our, our session, right? Like you've, you've worked with Sean Kerman, who's a national champion, yep. right? At, at UVA. And you're working on the other side of the ball. So you know, that guy is bringing something to challenge all of these other things. Even though you're on the same team, you're kind of learning from that, and he's learning from you and your defensive concepts. And can you tell me a little bit about how that's evolved for you and helped you as a college coach coaching at the pro level? Well, I, I think it is something of, of on the management side of, of just getting everybody to see the same thing and, and kind of, like, continue to kind of put your efforts in the, in, a, in the same direction. That's something of there can be a lot of different ways – you see certain things and, and guys want to play for reference like, hey, we could do this with a pick. We could do that with a pick. And 45 minutes later, everybody's walking away and someone says, what are we doing? And you're not sure, right? <laughs> so yeah. like just to be able to have like like that management stuff, I, I think is is great. And, and being able to, those guys are so good that they can make a lot of adjustments. And uh, I think that's been important. And being able to see like that uh, still some of the, some of the true consistency things are still really important. The fundamentals are the fundamentals. Right. Well, plus a number of the players are coaches. And right. Some of them have been coaches at the Division One and Division Three level. So not only are you are coaching some of the best players in the world, you're coaching coaches. So everyone's got their 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 play yeah. or, or their or their plan or this is the way to play defense. This is the way to run offense. So to get everybody on the same page is is really the challenge you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's getting everyone to kind of focus the same way and saying, all right, let's try it like this. And then if that doesn't work, all right, let's go to this. People like to break it down and say, oh, it's just one-on-one, this guy. And if he beats this guy, it's a goal. Which, okay, if you want to really simplify it, sure, that does happen. But if you don't have a package at the pro level that everyone buys in on, you're going to get smoked. That's just how it works because everyone's so good at playing offense. And coaching defense in the pros is probably not fun. Just like being a goalie in in the pros isn't any fun. Yeah, it's, it's tough. And, and you know, I, I think Coach Cork does a great job of finding the right guys for his locker room for how he wants the Cannons to play. And I, I can say in my tenure, like, I never had to deal with any of that. Like, the guys have been great. And they've been a pleasure to coach. And I've learned a lot from them. And I hope they've learned a lot from me, too. And it's been a, it's been a situation of it, it, really, it really is a point of just getting everybody's ideas, like just picking one. Yeah. Right? And, and, and that's the biggest part. And once you get to there, then it's like, okay, now let's go. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, the only reason I know that is because I know 
coaches that some, most of them are not coaching anymore, but they would, that would be their complaint. But uh, you did trade John Piatelli, so I don't know. We did. Yep. I, yeah. I don't know what we're doing there. Jack, what are your thoughts? My thought, really, I don't have any thoughts on it, to be honest with you. I mean, it might give them an opportunity to play. I mean, in, in Boston, you know, Kyle Thompson, they, they've got a lot of talent there. So, again, like John Thompson talks about opportunity. It might be a, a new opportunity for him. He's playing in the box league this year, and, and uh, he'll get a, a chance to play a little bit. So, hey, it's Look at you it's two. a challenge. Look at you it's two a being, challenge. Look at you two being friends. That might be a great <laughs> podcast for Coach Cork to come on. If you could end it saying, okay, this could be a separate podcast. But yeah. I love. I don't it. think John pulled the trigger. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't John's call. No, no. And and I, I do think it, it could provide an opportunity for John. And I think it would, this past summer was uh, it's kind of tough once you get started with the camp and everything. Right. The college year, it's 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 hard to break in at times. Well, let me let me ask you this: How do you balance watching players to draft and or to trade for? I mean, do you, do you help out with that in your role at all? I'm sure like you're consulted in some of the stuff. Yeah, I think I think Coach Cork's great about trying to set up some some times that are helpful for for me that aren't major times with lacrosse for the college level, like a little bit of downtime. Like we before fall ball, after our season ended, there was some time that him and I could connect and kind of recap, and then fall ball and fall recruiting is going on, so there's not as much conversation. And then probably before our season starts, we'll probably go through things. And, and look at some stuff and, and, and kind of figure out where our direction's going and, and kind of take things from there. We have this conversation often about multi-sport athletes. You were a multi-sport athlete. You played football at Springfield College, which a lot of people don't know. And you played lacrosse. Now, did you have a plan to play both at Springfield College? Did you want to pursue football and lacrosse or one or the other? And, and how did you end up playing both at Springfield College? Well, I, I practiced football, and I had an opportunity that I got to play lacrosse. But uh, my time on the football team was great. Coach DeLong was, was awesome. I have some great friends. And I, I, I think I went to the University of Springfield College because of the, uh, of the... And the opportunity to play both was great. At the time, I didn't, didn't play my freshman year because of football. And then went out as a sophomore because Coach Bugby saw me and said, hey, when are you coming out? And uh, was able to play D-Midi and, and had a great experience. And then from that time, after my sophomore year, I started to see that it was probably more suited for lacrosse than, than football. And uh, I ended up just staying with lacrosse in my, my second half of my, my time at Springfield. But I think multi-sport athletes are great. Josh Salem just graduated this past year as our only captain, and he was captain of the men's football team and captain of the men's lacrosse team. He led 180 guys last year. That's Spe- impressive. Special kid. Yeah. All-conference defenseman and, and all-conference linebacker and just a, a strong leader. So I, I think it's important for guys to play multiple sports and, and have that experience in high school. I think, it's, I think it helps you. There's nothing like a fourth and one or being able to hit the three throw or have a, have a shootout in soccer. Like those, are, those are competitive memories, and developing competitive memories are important. Did you go to Springfield College knowing that you wanted to coach? Is that the the major physical education? I wanted to teach. Yeah, I wanted to be phys ed. And Jude Kelly and Jim Gleason were my were my high school coaches. And Jim Gleason was my my lacrosse and my football coach. And he, he was he was a big part of my life in high school and held some standards. And 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 he loved loved the games. And I thought it was great. I thought it was great to go to go to school in a pair of shorts and go out and play play sports all day. So that's what pretty much the do. best. Yeah. That's the best part about coaching. Right? Yeah. yeah. 
when we had, I don't know what they called it when you go into the, the first week at Springfield College, we had to wear this this yarmulke on our head. A beanie. A beanie, the beanie yes. The beanie, a little beanie. Or, orientation. Orientation. Yes. We had to wear a beanie, Kyle, and walk around campus so everybody knew we were a freshman. They did away with that. It was like, I got to wear this thing for a week around campus? This little beanie? And we had to wear these uniforms, these freshman uniforms. Stop it. Yeah, these sweatsuits with This shorts. is all a lie to make me laugh. You're trying to put this over on me. <laughs> no, this is not real. No, it's like... No, I'd like to wave my hand. No, I'm, I'm I'm just dressed up for Halloween. I'm not I'm not a freshman. It was it was an interesting time at Springfield College, wasn't oh it, John? God. Oh my God, is that that's true. That is true. No, it's you, it was your it was, it was, your, it was the your, school. It was your phys ed uniform. This yeah. is the school <laughs> yeah. that you hold over my head constantly. <laughs> this is that's the okay okay. Well, I mean, a lot of it has to do with with tradition, and I think one of the one of the things about about Winu that I think a lot of people in New England understand is there is that winning tradition, that winning way, the toughness that you build there. And I I just think it's watching you guys play, the talent can come and go, but you do play foot down on the pedal the entire time. And I think that actually you were for, you had a lot of forethought in developing that style the whole time. Yeah. What I think it goes back to my playing experience too, and I, I think it's more fun playing that way. Yeah, I think the game's more enjoyable, and there's 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 more points to be scored in transition. And I think defensemen want to go out and play on guys, and I I think I think you can you you can enjoy that tempo. I remember Greg Canelo once said to me, you know, "These kids come here at UMass to play lacrosse, but they want to have fun, right?" Right. And you talked about this past weekend. You saw some kids out there having fun. Right. Right. If you're having fun. Like you said, you're developing as a player. Right. So many players go to these recruiting events thinking about, oh, I gotta get recruited. I'm gonna get I gotta get recruited and parents are like, oh, he's gotta score so many goals and this and that and the other thing and, and it's about having fun. Yeah. If you're not having fun, you're not gonna have any success on the lacrosse field, any field, soccer field, basketball, whatever it is. You've gotta have fun. When you're younger, you've gotta have fun. Because yeah. that's the only way you're gonna develop, because you're gonna challenge yourself to do different things on whatever field it may be, because you're having fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think you got to have enjoyment in what you're doing. I think for young kids, sometimes the hand-eye stuff, the game can be difficult to kind of pick up. But if you have, if you understand that ground balls are great and some other stuff, like you can feel like, hey, I'm developing as a player. And I think that's how young guys can see their development and, and see that they're making gains. And it's not just about maybe goals and assists. Right. John, I know you've been in this situation a number of times where a player comes in to play for you and he might be an offensive midi, he might even be a, a, a man-to-man defender, long stick defender, LSM, and then you ask him to play short stick midi and maybe his little, I don't know, coach, but you, you took an opportunity of, and when you went to Springfield College, you became a D midi and played a great role and uh, you wouldn't change that for winning a, a, a national championship. So, Talk to the parents about these players can't have expectations going in and saying, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm being recruited to play this position. But if you want to get on the field, you got to be willing to change your role if you have to. Yeah, well, I think it's about having a, a team mentality, right? And, and knowing that, how can I help the team? And uh, I think sometimes if players label themselves a certain way, they might be closing opportunities on themselves. Travis Brown was a was an All-American face-off guy for us that was a high school attackman from Vermont. There you go, perfect and, example. And he wanted to help the team more, and I, I think he wore out the rug in his room 
trying to watch the Andy Towers face-off video and became an All-American face-off guy because he knew that, hey, this is something I could help the team with. So I think it's that type of, having that type of mentality mentality of like, hey, where can we be more competitive? And it's not about me and, and stuff like that. And Corey Johnson, at one point when he was a senior, Corey was a was a two-time All-American for me as a D-Midi. I, I think he scored his first in an NCAA tournament. And no one even, like, he didn't even realize it. I don't think anyone ever realized it because he was just excited to play team ball. Play his role. And he he was more of an offensive guy in high school, but it didn't matter to Corey. Corey just wanted the team to be successful, and he wanted to have fun playing. Right so, before Right before you got in here, I was reading, just scrolling, Twitter, as I do, to get ideas for questions. And one of the things that popped up, I believe it was Rick Beardsley, the tweet at A, how are you really face guarding someone in a youth tournament? Like, are you serious? Take a lap. And I, I think it goes back to your point about if you're playing in these tournaments, have fun, right? Yep. Again, I'm just bucking shots here because I just feel like it. And I like having two club guys here with me. How are you having fun when your club coach is yelling at you? Because I see more club coaches yelling at kids than I see college kids, college coaches and high school kids yelling, coaches yelling at their kids. And I don't understand why that's the acceptable standard. Do parents want to see that? Because the kid doesn't want want that. Like not every kid. I, I know some kids respond to that. I understand. But like in my experience, especially lately, that is not the case. And I don't think it's like very productive to coach that way. Do, do you think that that is true? Or do you think that's just my experience watching kids? That's not the norm, and it's not. It's not. You can't. It's not acceptable. Right. It's, it's not, not. Right. It's not acceptable. No, I, I we, see we it every time it. I go to a tournament, though. So why am I still seeing it? You know the, what I mean? There are programs that unfortunately they allow it, and they don't manage their coaches. You got to manage your coaches. You got to have the right people who are in it, not for the money. Right. You know, there are a lot of coaches that just do the club thing for the money. <laughs> I think we have that conversation and, a lot, and, and yeah. not not for the kids and not to coach. I mean, right. John coaches not for the money. John coaches because he enjoys it, and he's in it for the kids. I, I coached. I didn't make any money, I, I, and I just happened to fall on this club thing. But it, it we're giving back to the kids. It's about the kids. Right. I think it's also, too, is that you got to have a relationship with the kids. Right. Right? So if a kid doesn't show up to practices, like, that's where you start to see. Maybe that's where you're seeing that frustration because I, I think you, you look at there, – there's a lot of guys that really do a nice job. With the uh, with the tournaments where yeah. they're 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 trying to get guys to play at a at a at a team level and trying to do it and, and you can see that they know their kids. Right. I think sometimes when kids go missing or, or stuff like that, that's where you start to see the coach being a little frustrated with what's yeah. this guy doing? Where's he been? And and that does happen. And but I I I think it's starting to get a little better, not actually worse. That is sure. <laughs> and, 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 and I don't know if it was just rainy where I was yesterday. Or yeah, I, I think it was. it was. I think it was. Yeah, no, I, I just I just like to bring it up every now and again and just kind of like put it out there. Like just screaming at your kids does not mean you're a good coach. You know what I mean? Well, you like, see I, that. I, I just don't like it. You see that at, at, at every level, even even at the yeah. college level yeah. and, and at the high school level. You see coaches yelling at the kids. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of yelling at, at a player, especially when you isolate that player in front of his teammates. It's just not good for the kid. It, it loses his confidence and his ability to perform on the field. Kyle, I think it goes into, sure, there, there's a coaching profession, right? Yep. Anyone can coach a sport. Mm-hmm. At the rec level, at the youth level, like what are the like what are the criterias of what you have to do to move up in a sport? Like very few sports have a lot of different criteria that people have to do. So there, I don't know if there's a lot of education that does go into it. That all of a sudden 
well, I coached my kid in youth. I did this. Now it, it's, it's an availability thing. And everyone thinks that they, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people that have a lot of answers, right? Right. Everybody yeah. can do it. Do the it answer well. is this. Yeah. yeah. Well, we saw it this past weekend. Coach Saturday for the Indianapolis coach was just a player. He was an ESPN analyst, and now he won his first game in the NFL. Does have a lot of experience in the locker room and, and, and working with players. But I think knowing the game certainly helps. You have to know yeah. the game if you want to coach the game. Right. And that's why it's been great having you on, Coach. You definitely know the game. Thank I respect you. your opinion. I like I like talking to you. I feel like sometimes I look at you, you got hate in your eyes, but I feel like that's just you <laughs> processing. <laughs> but uh, thank, you know, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate nah, it. Coming pleasure. To the studio. Great yeah. job, John. Thanks so much. Thanks yeah. for having me, guys. Thanks again for listening to New England Cross Journals, Chasing the Gold Podcast. For Jack Piatelli, I'm Kyle Devitt. See you next time.